Welcome to the Security Sessions podcast, brought to you by Talist and hosted by me, Nera Jones. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing the technologies, people, and processes behind information security and delving into topics like data security, remote access, and digital transformation. We'll be speaking to Talis and industry experts to bring you fresh perspectives on how to navigate the world of cloud security. Today, episode 7 is entitled More Digital, More Cloud, To Trust or Not To Trust. More digital will mean more cloud. Previously, organization primarily looked at new application development and deployments for cloud, taking a cloud-first approach. However, many have now pivoted towards a cloud-now approach. Today, I have two fantastic guests, Chris Harris, EMEA Technical Director at Thales, and Vaughn Stewart, VP Technology Alliance Partners at Pure Storage. Welcome to Chris and Vaughn. Could you please briefly introduce yourself, starting with you, Chris? Hi, Nera. Um, thanks for the invitation to speak today. Yes, I've I've been involved in encryption and PKI and crypto for, for probably the last 25 years, starting with some of the earliest PKI-enabled smart cards and, and then kind of moving into hardware security modules, key management, and, and ultimately cloud protection. Um, I've been here at Thales through a, a number of acquisitions, four or five, I've kind of lost count, uh, for more than 20 years. And here I lead a, a large team of sales engineers. And of course, uh, one of the things that we get to see is many of the challenges and trends uh, that are happening today, um, which definitely includes cloud migration. So I'm looking forward to the discussion today. Thank you, Chris. Vaughn. Nira, thank you for inviting me to join. Um, uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening to your audience, depending on what time they're listening to this podcast. Uh, my name is Vaughn Stewart. I'm a vice president of Global Technology Alliances here at Pure Storage. And Talus has been one of our partners within the security space. Um, uh, I've got 20 plus years in infrastructure technologies, and I think my role on this podcast is going to be talking about the evolution of uh, infrastructure technologies to be more secure uh, and in better support of cloud-based initiatives. And so uh, just a little teaser there to where I'm probably going to go with some of these conversations. And talking about evolution, Vaughn, um, what evidence have you seen of this uh, modern practice of cloud now approach? And what are some of the real challenges for companies taking the cloud now approach in your experience? Great question. Um, I think it was clear that we saw cloud now approach through 2020, but I don't know that it's um, it's going to be a long-standing initiative. And what I mean by this is there's a lot of data that shows that customers have been on a, on a hybrid strategy um, and that hybrid was growing. But I think COVID broke the operational model that a lot of organizations had uh, with um, companies and organizations having to comply with law, local laws and restrictions, it made access to data centers uh, difficult for many uh, and impossible for some. And I think that really drove uh, an increased use in cloud-provided services. Uh, I don't think every inf uh, every technology company was impacted the same. Um, uh, some of the things that we had built into our products, for example, 
uh, allows customers to adopt our technology and have it remotely installed. And, and obviously, if it's, if it's if it's physical hardware, it has to be you know uh, unboxed and cabled up into the data center. But from that point forward, uh, we were able to support a number of very large organizations, including uh, cloud providers and mobile communication companies. Um, with uh, being able to scale their needs to support a more robust uh, and demanding uh, mobile workforce as we went through COVID by being able to have this, these remote capabilities already inherently built into uh, our products. Uh, I think as we look at where we're at in terms of vaccine distribution globally, I, uh, I think we have a, a expectation that as we go through the, this latter half of this year, things will start to return back to a normal Balance and I and I think maybe the cloud now initiative just kind of goes back to a cloud first kind of initiative. But that's my perspective, and we'll see how it shakes out. That's interesting. And Chris, what is your perspective of uh, some of the challenges that you've observed with this? Yeah, I agree with with much of what Vaughn said, and, and we're seeing um, a lot of the same things. I mean, for sure, if if we put COVID to one side, you know, certainly different organizations take different paths, and we see that. So if you're if you're a startup, uh, you know uh, now there's no way on earth you're going to think about having a data center. You know that's just not going to be on the sheet of paper where you're you're writing your business plan. You're going to go straight to the cloud. Um, whereas traditional organizations and, and we work with a lot of them. You know we work with a lot of banks and financial organizations who are typically um, quite reluctant to to kind of dip their toe into this new technology. You know, and you saw them start to test with a couple of steps forward. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they kind of moved to a cloud-first strategy for, for new products uh, or for new projects. But now they're, they're really talking about cloud migration and, and they really are taking this seriously. Um, for, for sure, the way that people work has changed in this past year. And it's not unexpected that the way people go about doing their work is going to change as well. So as Vaughn said, you know, why... Why would you send a team of people to a data center if you could if you could buy that as a service? Um, but but it's not universal, you know. We are seeing an increase in hybrid, you know, very much, um, where an organization is making use of a cloud uh, or a cloud service or a cloud technology, or they've uh, they've put a workload into the cloud, um, but not the entire part of it. So there's still part of it that they're holding within their own environment. And that might be for a performance reason, it might be for redundancy, uh, or, or often it's for security. And they're, they're looking at separating um, some aspect of their, their security provision to, uh, to enhance um, some of the controls that they can put in place. Uh, and, and even, you know, we, we are seeing some interest in, in cloud repatriation, you know, the, the opposite of moving to the cloud, where people are moving back from the cloud. But that's—I uh, don't think that's really a, um, you know, a strategic thing. That's usually on a on, on a workload by workload basis, where where an organization has tried something, it's just not effective in the cloud, and so they're looking at uh, they're looking at moving it back. But but the challenge we're seeing, really, I suppose, is that 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 things are almost too easy. You know, you asked about the challenges for for companies. And I would question whether sometimes the right amount of thought has, has gone into what they're planning. Because when you're buying a cloud service these days, it's it's like ordering from a restaurant menu. You know, you're like, yeah, we'll take some uh, know, some storage, some backup. You know, we'll have the, some IPs, security. Yeah, you tick a checkbox. And these checkboxes, you know, they don't necessarily provide you with 
with what you think, what they expect. They literally are, you know, a checkbox, maybe a couple of questions and off you go. And it's really important for an organization to understand what's right for for both itself and and for its uh, for its data i suppose which is the important thing um when i think about cloud providers they often give you a lot of out of the box controls you know encryption operation uh, encryption options that you can turn on uh, to protect your data and this might work for for smaller or you know maybe even some medium organizations but but often these simple options sacrifice control I mean, if we're talking about encryption, and, and for sure, you know, that's that's kind of my my specialist area. Um, some encryption is better than no encryption, but uh, you end up in a situation where the cloud providers are holding the keys to the data, and 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 again, that that is a challenge that an organization really needs to to appreciate and and think. It's it's important to remember the fundamentals that with encryption, all you're really doing is transferring the risk from from the data to an encryption key. You know, whereas before you're worried about who has access to your data, who could grab a copy, uh, where the backups are, who could use it. Now you've got those same worries, but you've just got them about your encryption keys instead, which is a, a simpler thing maybe to get your head around because there's less of them, but it, it can become quite involved and complicated, you know, when you start to think about uh, key management and, and key control. And, and picking up on the, on the point you, you made, Chris, in terms of uh, uh, it, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And uh, you mentioned that you've uh, seen some organization actually uh, moving back from, from the cloud. So you, you mentioned you're probably shifting the responsibility from the actual data to the encryption keys. So what more can the industry do to foster trust in the cloud, and I'll start with you, Chris, again, following on from the previous question, uh, and, and then we move on to Vaughan. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. There is a perception and probably a reality of complexity and and uncertainty um, within the cloud, especially around security. And part of this is because usually there's there's a real lack of transparency within the cloud. Added to complexity, it can make it really difficult to get a, a full and clear picture of what's happening once your data enters. Now, that problem isn't unique to the cloud, and I'm sure there are many organizations who are equally unsure about the, the kind of granular detail of, of parts of their own on-premises architecture. But I think that this has been recognized, and, and we are seeing some steps being taken to, to make this simpler. Like you said, we we mentioned that encrypting data moves the risk to the key. And so the protection of that key becomes uh, the most important consideration for an organization moving to the cloud. And we're seeing uh, an increasing number of key management options becoming available from, from cloud players. As a default, if you uh, you know turn on cloud encryption, uh, you know, kind of inver- in inverted commas, then the cloud provider is going to be holding that decryption key. If somebody comes along and knocks on the door with a warrant and, and asks for your data or the key, um, if there's a, a vulnerability in, in part of you know what is really a massive software stack, um, or if a, a cloud administrator goes rogue and it, it's happened, uh, then then your data's at risk, you know. And so we've we've seen a lot of the cloud providers add support for some form of customer sourced key, usually called bring your own key. Um, and this is where you as an organization take a key to the cloud. Uh, you know, it's a key that you've got knowledge of, you've got p- 
possession of it. Uh, and most importantly, probably it's one that you know was created in line with, you know, your company's best practices. Usually organizations have, you know, controls they want to put around key generation and key storage. Uh, and then the next level up from that, and, and again, something we're starting to see more of in the market is some kind of customer managed encryption key. And this is a lot of names, actually, sometimes external man, uh, externally managed, it's called, sometimes it's double key encryption. Sometimes it's uh, hold your own key or bring your own encryption. Uh, and they're all kind of the same thing. You know, in, in this scenario, the customer holds their own key and carries out operations with that key. So encryption or signing, whatever it might be, on behalf of the cloud provider. And this gives you, you know, a really strong separation of the party holding the data, the cloud, and the party holding the key, which is you as an organization. And it gives you the ability to have you know, a, a really strong audit layer and detailed knowledge of, of when and why the cloud providers re uh, requesting access to, to your data. And so, you know, I, I think all of these things bring additional trust um, to the cloud and medium and, and the larger enterprises are, are all looking at how these sorts of things, particularly bring your own key and hold your own key, um, can be used together with the offerings provided, you know, natively from the cloud providers uh, to kind of bring that trust. And, and really, I think as a as an industry, you know, we need to make sure that these options are well defined, well supported, easy to use, and and really, and, and probably most importantly, backed by you know some excellent key management uh, techniques, I guess, to protect that key. Vaughan, what's your perspective on this? Yeah, I think Chris makes some really good points talking about key management and the options that are available. Um, I think when you start talking about operating in a, in a, in a cloud model, there's um, a common notion around having to operate in, in a, with a zero trust policy. Uh, this notion where we our attack surfaces are, are significantly larger than uh, what they've, they've had in the past. Um, and I think that the, the Sometimes we underestimate the size or the pervasiveness of where we need to apply this zero trust policy. Um, and what I mean by that last statement is, is I think I think a lot of us look from a developer perspective, and um, as we look to cloud native architectures and distributed applications, we we're moving the emphasis away from a, 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 an organizational uh, determination around security where you know, you've got a the legacy model of a networking team and a compute and storage and application teams, and they've got to collaborate about launching a new application. And it's something that doesn't happen um, all that frequently to where we're in this ever-changing and evolving uh, cloud-native model. And a single developer can go procure all the infrastructure resources along with writing the code um, and bringing together the functions and the API calls that are needed to uh, stand up. Uh, a new instance of, of an application or a service offering. And so um, let me give you an example here. Uh, we're all very common in our um, work lives and uh, more, uh, more now than ever in our personal lives with the notions of like two-factor authentication, right? This notion that we want to have a high confidence by going to an external device to validate the identity of, of, of a user who's accessing services. Um, 
when you take and, and look at the success that we've had with two-factor authentication in this space around identity verification, uh, we have to look at our applications with the same level of scrutiny and start to look at the role that uh, disaggregated applications, applications that the functions make API calls to one another. Uh, where are we at in validating these APIs for their authenticity and ensuring that they are the the, the APIs that we intend to connect and reach out to, right? So uh, I, th I think you're seeing work done, being done in that space within Silicon Valley to add a, and I'm going to use air quotes here that your audience can't see, but to add two-factor authentication-like capabilities now to the next level, which is to ensure the identity um, who our APIs are communicating with. I think beyond that, um, we I'll go back to and apologies here, you know, coming from a from an infrastructure uh, vendor, pure storage. I think customers also need to look at at what's the the default operating model within the infrastructure technologies they're selecting. And what I mean by that is, are they inclusive and are they built with enhanced security mechanisms in in them, or is this an optional add-on feature that you've got to go configure and hope someone you know enables? Um, I think. We focused a lot around key management, user access, you know, ensuring um, that we're protecting our, our our edge devices and our perimeters. But we also have to look at what happens when these systems are breached. And sometimes the last line of defense there um, is the infrastructure technology itself, if it has security mechanisms built into them. So, for a, for a example, storing all your your data at rest when it's encrypted. Um, from a physical infrastructure perspective, protects you from somebody actually getting physical access to your devices. But that same technology, when we look at it from a storage software perspective, and we put our storage software into the cloud so that customers can have this uh, ubiquitous framework of managing their applications regardless of on-prem or in the cloud, but securing that data and encrypting it in the cloud also protects you when you start having all these uh, cloud copies that are required for development and quality testing and staging, as well as all your backups that might sit on a different storage platform, like it's S3-based, et cetera. You know, some of the best security that you can have in that space is, is if I delete that instance of the storage device, all the downstream data was, was encrypted and those keys are now gone. And, and if there's a human error and if there's data that didn't get captured in the deletion, at least it's inaccessible now. Um, and so I think, again, I think we focus um, a lot on network and security, application security, but I think we need to continue to focus on infrastructure to have this holistic view uh, going back to our zero trust policy. Absolutely. Thank you, Vaughn. And I thank you particularly for, for mentioning authentication on one of my, uh, one of my pet subjects, but also for mentioning API security. This is uh, uh, an increasingly uh, important area of focus, especially uh, uh, in uh, in financial services, with developments such as uh, such as open banking and reliance on, on reliance on APIs. And I don't think we talk about uh, API security as much as uh, as we should, perhaps uh, in uh, in this new world. So many of my clients uh, are concerned about this kind of lift and shift of security vulnerabilities during the transition to, to the cloud. So let's talk a bit about that. So what practical steps can they take to, to mitigate this, Chris? Well, I, I definitely think it's a valid concern, you know, as we've, we've spoken about the assumption that the cloud comes with security is uh, something that you need to think carefully about. You know, you really kind of need to 
peel back the layers to to see what that means. Um, and certainly, I agree, Nira. If if you put something insecure into the cloud, then the likelihood is it's going to stay insecure, um, or, or worse, I suppose. You know, it may even become less secure because it doesn't have the protection of your your kind of data center around it. I I think to answer your question, you know, if we if we go back a few years, the industry kind of saw this big cloud shift coming towards them, and there was a, a little bit of a tendency to to print a pile of you know shiny stickers that said cloud ready and stick them on whatever solution it it was that they were selling right now you know for on prem use and i think the reality is that security designed for for on prem use you know makes some assumptions that that aren't necessarily valid in the cloud and organizations really need to begin by looking at solutions which are engineered for the cloud to help close some of those gaps, which which could otherwise either exist or kind of open up. Um, I, I suppose as an organization, you've got to ask yourself how you're approaching the move to the cloud. You know, is it a move without changing the architecture? Because that's probably not ideal. Um, it might, might even be a mistake, to be honest. Um, are you going to modify code? You know, are you going to rebuild your workflows from scratch for this for this new environment and this new way of working? Each of these options has got a cost, and you know, with it, it's got functionality and and complexity concerns. Um, but but clearly, yeah, whether you're in the cloud or not, you need to make sure you've got policies focused on you know good patching, maintenance of the software in your stack that you've spent. Uh, time figuring out access control to to the two factor point, which which becomes even more critical, really, in an open environment where you've got you know multiple administrators and users. Uh, you're probably connecting to partners or partner services, um, or, or making use of other shared services. And then, really, you know, you need to look at how you're going to deploy security in a in a consistent manner across the entire environment. And, and not just what you might perceive as the important bit. Thank you, Chris. So uh, interestingly, the, the recent um, Thales 2020 DTR Global Report states that 46% of data is stored in the cloud and that 43% is sensitive. So, and we all know all the risks that are associated with that. So, so uh, Vaughn, perhaps, what would be your recommendations for companies that need to secure their data right now? So, is encryption always the answer? I don't think encryption's always the answer, but I think it's it's the fundamental starting block. And there's a lot of considerations that need to be reviewed before before implementing and. Um, Allow me to elaborate. There are trade-offs with encrypt everything mindset, and we've had a lot of customer conversations around this of late. Um, this starts with uh, the definition of, an, of encrypt everything, right? From infrastructure providers, we tend to look at things like data at rest encryption, meaning the data from the application is still kind of in plain text, and so if someone can get to the storage device or on the application themselves, they can read the application data, Right. This is more of, of uh, data at rest from an infrastructure perspective. It's more kind of what I referred to previously around, you know, theft or direct access to physical. Um, I think going up into the stack and saying we're going to look at volume-based encryption or application-based encryption um, uh, really has a significant uh, set of considerations that have to be looked at. Um, 
application owners tend to like application encryption. They control it. They can enable it. They can set the the, the amount of, of functionality that they want. But from an organization perspective, uh, reporting, management, um, ensuring that we've got a consistent set of security policies across a diverse set of applications, right? That can be a trade-off on the app level. By contrast, if I go with like volume-based level, um, I get nice uniformity, consistency, reporting, uh, but I may lose maybe app-specific features of security that, that an application owner uh, may desire or that the business may um, see as critical to a particular uh, uh, service that needs to be run. Regardless of which path a customer may go down on an encrypt everything model uh, and some of those trade-offs right now, I'm not even talking about key management, having multiples versus, a you know, uh, or application-based key management versus, a you know, a, a global shared uh, key manager. There's trade-offs in the infrastructure cost, which when you look at every modern storage platform, there's a form of, of, of uh, cost savings in those, those platforms through data reduction technologies. And when you encrypt your data, you lose the ability to, to have data reduction technologies because you're eliminating the patterns that of ones and zeros that may be seen by a storage device. And so you can have this increase in storage capacity required once you encrypt a, uh, an application. That could be three, four, five-fold increase in the capacity requirements. This also then has a downstream effect on if I've got disaster recovery and those costs, what are my network uh, bandwidth requirements? And, and does the network bandwidth also increase? Does that infect me, uh, you know, impact my cost if I'm doing disaster recovery, if I've got an ingress or an egress charge, right? So um, these, no, the, these plans of encrypt everything are pervasive in, in their nature and need to be looked at uh, in terms of assembling a plan that you, uh, an organization can scale out with success and be able to control costs and get repeatable, predictable outcomes. Thank you, Vaughan. Uh, indeed, there are many, many options available to, to organization. And perhaps uh, one of the biggest challenges that uh, companies face when it comes to security uh, in the cloud is, uh, is complexity because there are so many options and it's so easy, uh, as you mentioned before, to adopt many services uh, very rapidly. So what strategies can uh, IT and security professionals take to tackle this complexity, Chris? Well, I completely agree. You know, all too often the, the simple things are complex. And if you think about it, organizations are, are geographically dispersed. You know, the, the data's everywhere. And now the perimeter is its so large with the cloud, you, you just can't protect it. And so instead, they have to have a focus on protecting the data that we've spoken about. And and kind of back to your previous question, you know, I, I work for an encryption company and you asked, is encryption always the answer? And even I'd say no, it's it's more about an organization knowing what's right for itself and its data. And, and that really should begin by locating your sensitive data. When when an organization looks through what, what information it's got, you know, that's probably going to range from fairly innocent data, which which you don't want people to see. Um, but but isn't really that critical in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and, and maybe strong access controls are something that would be enough to protect that. But as you go further down the list, you know, you're going to hit the customer data, the the credit card information, the critical business data, the, the intellectual property and so on. And that that needs stronger controls. And usually that that is uh, a form of encryption um, and protection and uh, and often multi-layer. In, in the data threat report, the, the report that 
the Talas ran. One of the questions was about organizations and their multiple use of uh, their use of multiple clouds. And it was a figure that was, uh, if I remember, it was in excess of 95% that consumes uh, two or more software as a service offerings. And it was it was something like more than 80% who were using two or more uh, platform or infrastructure as a service providers. And that in itself, you know, this use of, of multiple clouds is is obviously going to add complexity for organizations because each cloud provider's got completely proprietary key management or key vault solutions, um, which the administrators need to need to get used to and control. And and that makes life more difficult. Um, you know, in that same data threat report, I, I did a webinar on it, so I, I read it in some detail. Um, one of the other questions was about barriers to implementing data security, and complexity came out by far as, as the largest issue. Um, but the terminology isn't the same across clouds. The interfaces are, are wildly different. The, the steps, the, the APIs, the automation that you'd put in place, it's all completely different. And so we're seeing a growing interest in being able to, to leverage centralized orchestration and security solutions, you know, maybe a single pane of glass to, to some of these various interfaces. So you can control your data security across multiple platform, uh, multiple platforms, multiple cloud vendors. Uh, and if you can get to that stage, then it's going to lead to tighter control, better monitoring, better implementation, uh, just because the complexity is being reduced. You're, you're looking at a simpler solution. Hey, I'd like to jump in here real quick, if, if I if I may, um, and follow up with, with some of Chris's comments. Um, uh, I also think that, and agree with Chris from a perspective of most customers are talking about encrypting their most secure information today, whether that's IP or credit card transactions or personal uh, records, uh, like medical records, for example. But I also think we, we need to be cognizant that we are moving towards an encrypt everything world, uh, even you know innocuous data. Uh, can really cause significant um, security breaches. I mean, um, I do think we are moving towards a model where uh, it, it is encrypt everything, but we got to figure out models that that scale and are uh, operate within the, the budgets that we have today for storing data. Thank you both. And uh, I, I always like to say when looking at these things, uh, it's about knowing your your data so thank you chris and Vaughn, for reminding us of the uh, importance of data classification so knowing your data knowing your purpose and knowing your risk uh, there's another aspect that i would like to explore which is the the regulatory aspect so uh, we've seen many data privacy and data protection regulation coming uh, coming to the fore right now a couple more in the united states in the last week or so so what kind of regulatory impact needs to be considered immediately looking at the global uh, regulatory landscape and also including but not limited to uh, issues around data localization so chris perhaps well yeah absolutely you know there are regulations that organizations need to consider when when processing data and you know some of these are complicated by the fact that when you're using the cloud, you're not always certain where your data resides or where the backups are kept, you know, what controls are in place and and even how your data transits between various compo- uh, components of the cloud infrastructure. Um, you know, but going back to my earlier point, you know, in many cases, a concept that 
encryption shifts a risk from from data to the key is a useful one when you're looking at meeting uh, regulatory mandates because you're going to have far less keys to control and you're better able to protect those and than trying to wrap your arms around the data but it's you know really really important for people to understand the difference between getting a tick in the box that they're compliant with you know GDPR or whatever regulation you're you're looking at and something that's actually applying useful protection across your whole environment because that that tick isn't the sign that you've finished you know that tick is really just validation that you've you've started on that journey um i i think another point as well um that is often not very well understood is that when things go wrong organizations need to be really clear about the shared responsibilities that they've got when using a cloud service you know when you move to a cloud whether it's infrastructure as a service platform as a service software as a service or really anything in between you never give up responsibility for your data if if something goes wrong it's going to be your organization that that people are coming after and your organization that's going to be paying the fines you know not the cloud provider they're they're usually bigger and badder than you uh, and if you try and point the finger at them they you know it's it's a fight you're unlikely to win you know really when it comes down to it it's it's your data it's your responsibility as as the owner um, of that information and and it's your job to protect it and and usually that would mean going you know, beyond the minimal level of protection uh, mandated by by the various regulations, um, data localization is is as well. You know, uh, a big deal as you mentioned, and you know that's that's speaking about how you know a nation's uh, citizens or residents' data um, should be collected and processed and, and stored within their own jurisdiction, um, and and if it's transferred, it shouldn't be. Uh, in a format that's readable or usable by by these outside countries and and you know we've we all know you know we could probably list five or ten regulations which which are around this you know including gdpr that i mentioned and you know the schrems 2 ruling uh, and yeah it, it makes things difficult for organizations you know they, they've only got a few choices that that it, that they face you know they can they can stop activities which involve the transfer of that uh, data internationally, uh, and certainly various cloud providers have started to provide more control around, um, you know, where data travels if you use certain geographic service locations, uh, and even you know guarantees to to some degree. Um, but you know, depending on on your particular business, you know, that's probably going to be very expensive, and it's probably going to be quite disruptive. Um, I, I suppose another option is to do nothing you know, continue operating as usual and just kind of ignore it, which is probably good for the business activity, but it's uh, probably a short-term thing. You know, you're going to be facing uh, some some disagreements, to probably put it mildly, and, and probably potential fines down down the line. Uh, or, or you could put in the, the technical measures, you know, encryption and, and so forth, um, probably together with some contractual uh, measures with the aim of you know, complying with these regulations and, and limiting your liability as an organization. Um, I, I, I think, you know, my view is what we'll actually see happen is uh, with many of these laws, which are, are country specific, particularly, you know, the, the larger countries, the, the world's not going to want to uh, see a country lower its standards of protection. And it might actually even push up the standards and protections of 
of other nations to meet yours, if uh, if that makes sense, which might might simplify uh, simplify some of these issues. Um, but for sure, you know, uh, as as Vaughan's been saying, you know, uh, the idea of uh, encrypting all the information, no matter how secure it is, uh, making your data unreadable, you know, through encryption or tokenization or data masking. Uh, is going to have a big part to play in solutions which are going to uh, meet these regulations as they as they develop in the years ahead. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Chris said. Going back to the comment around the shared responsibility model of the cloud, um, the shared responsibility model that you see within the prov- cloud providers is one that says they've ensured that their infrastructure is secure. You own the responsibility to ensure your applications and data are secured. And so while there's a shared responsibility, there is no shared liability. Um, and so what we're actually witnessing is while cloud adoption continues to grow, part of that adoption is also in um, uh, adoption where data sovereignty is being considered. And so we're seeing a lot of uh, adoption around the data resides in the data center or in a, in a co-load facility, say like an Equinix facility as an example. And then through the means of like direct connect, um, it's connected back to the cloud or the advancement of cloud uh, uh, product offerings uh, like AWS outposts with pure storage that are available to be t- deployed on-prem. There, these are two, two examples of where cloud is extending to address um, some of the compliance or regulatory challenges, or maybe even customers that want to ensure that they can own the liability portion of the responsi- uh, you know, of the shared responsibility model within the cloud by ensuring that they're, they know where their data resides, that they aren't breaking uh, country-based uh, laws around location. And so we're seeing a big growth in, in that area. Um, that is really, particularly in the last 18 months, we've seen a tremendous drive in that space. Thank you, Vaughn. And, and Chris, I'm afraid that we're reaching the end of our podcast it was a fascinating discussion we can we could continue for much much longer before i let you go guys i would like to ask you one last question and that is what one tip could you leave to our audience right now chris i i suppose i'd want to reinforce a message that the companies need to do their due diligence you know they shouldn't assume that the cloud offers the same protection as a traditional data center, and they they shouldn't be too complacent about the assurance that you know regulatory check marks uh, are bringing them. You know, make sure you've got your data discovered, classified, and and that's going to help you be confident that you're placing the correct controls around it. Thank you, Chris and Vaughn. Your one last tip. I would think organizations need to ensure that their CISO teams are taking a uh, cross organizational. Uh, review so that the developers and the IT teams are meeting with the security and compliance organizations. Um, I think the uh, we're seeing too many examples today of of rogue uh, development teams, you know, moving trying to uh, advance their development uh, through the rapid access to services in the cloud. Uh, but this opens up uh, challenges to trying to ensure that the organizational security and compliance practices are put in place. So I, uh, I also think that IT and infrastructure folks tended to speak a different language than developers, and they're going to need the CISO organization to bridge that gap and get both, both organizations on the same page. 
Thank you, Chris and Vaughan, for being such fabulous guests. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. You have been listening to the Talent Security Sessions podcast, Episode 7, More Digital, More Cloud, To Trust or Not To Trust. And it was hosted by me, Nera Jones. Until next time. Love this episode of the Talus Security Sessions podcast? Search us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast service to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to visit us at cpl.talusgroup.com to access previous episodes, bringing you insights from industry experts on the latest cloud and data security news and trends. Thank you for listening.